0: There's a couple of really cool documentaries that are becoming available today, as a matter of fact. One of them is the new Anthony Bourdain documentary called Roadrunner. Some controversy surrounding that one. Uh, The other one is called The Loneliest Whale, The Search for 52. Very cool story. It's documenting the quest to find out what may not only be the world's loneliest whale, but probably the world's most famous whale. If you've ever heard of a whale before... You know, not one that's in captivity. A wild whale. It's probably whale 52 that you've heard of. Apparently he's a hybrid between a fin whale and a blue whale, which means uh, he's enormous. And for years now, he's been the topic of discussion and wonder. He's got a Twitter handle. He's been sculpted by artists and a subject for playwrights. Poems and songs have been written about this guy. BTS, Sarah. That band that you like, the K-pop band? Yeah. They wrote a song about Whale 52. Oh, no way. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yes, they did.
1: teaching me about pop culture. Exactly.
0: That's how important this whale is. Um, And now he's the subject of a new documentary. Um, Where'd the guest go, Sarah? Didn't we have a guest? Oh, she's on Skype. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So let's find out more about Whale 52 in this documentary that is now available streaming today. Anna Shirovich joins us now, who is an associate professor at the Texas A&M University at Galveston. Hello, Anna. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Hello. Thank you very much for having me.
0: This is a great story. Um, Just give us the backstory. Introduce us to Whale 52 and how he came to be known as the loneliest whale in the world.
1: Well, the the story started in the science realm sometime around mid-2000s when a scientific paper was published. By a group of uh, scientists who worked for the Navy, who have access to these underwater microphones, which we call hydrophones, mm-hmm. that are found across the Pacific Ocean. And they can track sounds across a vast area. And so, over uh, many years, they were able to track this distinct signal from a whale that was traveling up and down uh, across the eastern North Pacific. And the reason they could track this animal is because it sounded different from blue whales that are common in that area. It sounded different from fin whales that are common in that area. And it sounded some like some weird, um, unusual uh, modification of both of those songs that those two different species sing. And so they published a paper that uh, I guess since then, which doesn't happen often to, to scientific papers, but it kind of got legs of its own and somehow breach the the consciousness of the public and and, and i think it has actually been the, the no misnomer of the loneliest whale i think is a little bit off because the, the idea was it because it sings at a different frequency that nobody else can hear it but that's not really true
0: right because they, they can hear him
1: yeah he, he sounds maybe he sounds a little bit different than other whales uh, so, you know, maybe he sounds like somebody from the southern U.S. coming through to Canada and then <laughs> just has this weird accent that you can't quite make out.
0: But and um, it did get sort of romanticized with this whole pop culture springing up around the fact that he's wandering the ocean, calling for companionship, and nobody can absolutely. understand it.
1: Yes. So th- I think there's something there probably that speaks as much about our society and culture than you know necessarily the whale itself but certainly from from science perspectives there's additional interesting questions about it so we don't know for a fact that this is a hybrid that is that is the current hypothesis that we're working off um, which was something that with this documentary we're trying to find this animal and see if that is in fact what it is and I don't want to Give away and yeah, we don't want to spoil it, at, it here. We don't want to spoil point. it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but, but part of the reason why that would be interesting to find out is that it would give us an idea of how whales come about producing sounds, for example, understanding more about genetic versus learned behaviors that might be leading to, to these songs. And, you know, it could also tell us more. We, we could better understand. If we knew what exactly this animal was, we could better understand... Um, whether it is lonely or whether it's just part of a a group and and hangs out, it just sounds.
0: This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing, whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker. You'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It's a little bit weird. (laughs) Now, the documentary sort of, um, well, it documents a team going out trying to find Whale 52, and you're part of that team. I'm I'm always fascinated by this. Now, did he have tracking things? or Are you basically, I mean, you want to talk about searching for a needle in a haystack, finding an ocean, (laughs) a, a whale in the ocean. How do you go about doing something like that?
1: You know, sound is the best way to do that if that whale is making sounds because so a lot of these very large whales, the sounds they produce, they're very, very low uh, frequency. So we perceive it as very low pitch. And in fact, some of it might be below our hearing range. But because of that, they travel exquisitely well, they can travel 100 miles or so. And so By listening to it, we can have the best chance of finding that needle in the haystack. Certainly, your chances of seeing it, where you can only see a few miles around you, are going to not quite cut it. Um, And the other advantage that we had is that we have had recordings across the Pacific for many years, mostly focused around Southern California, where where we did this um, recording. And over the years, we have gotten some sense of what time of the year and what place we might be more likely to encounter this whale. So that was, you know, the, you, you help yourself with that needle yeah. in the haystack by going to place and time when you think there's a better chance that it might be there. And then the equipment that we used allowed us in real time to listen to the sounds in the ocean and actually get direction. When we, when we identified sounds that were interesting, we get a direction to that sound and then pursue it, basically go in that direction and see if we can find what it is that's
0: producing it. Now I don't think it's a spoiler to say that you found him because you wouldn't have a documentary if you didn't. So, so you did manage to locate him, right?
1: Well, that would be a spoiler. So I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I think what we we found is that there's more mysteries out there in the ocean than. Than anybody thinks about regularly. And I think that is really an exciting and, and an important thing for all of us to be aware. There's, there's still so much we don't know about the ocean. Um, and and it's fascinating that we are still learning about, as you said at the beginning, giant creatures yeah. that are bigger than anything that's ever lived on land. And yet we know so little about them that they keep surprising us.
0: Hey, just tell us about the experience of working on this documentary. I mean, it's executive produced by Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, The producer of this film has made some absolute smash hit documentaries. Was it a very cool experience for you to be part of this team?
1: I've I've certainly had several experiences that were you know more Hollywoody than my usual <laughs> life, <laughs> but for the most part we were we were out at sea um, with the filming crew, and I've spent a lot of time at sea um, where. The, the most unusual thing about this was that we had this film crew and you were microphoned all the time. So any we did or said anything, they would jump and be like, oh, what? You know, you, you had to be careful about what you were doing. <laughs> you were saying it was, I guess, what being on reality TV was, must be like. Um, so that that was definitely a, a different and unusual experience. But, you know, we did not get to rub shoulders with all of the.
0: Right. They just um, threw some money at you.
1: More
0: or less, yes. <laughs> Anna, very cool. I-, I can't wait to watch the documentary. Thank you for joining us and giving us a little background into how it came together. Thanks so much for having. Me. It's been a pleasure. You bet. Thanks very much. Uh, that is Anna Sorovich, who is an associate professor at Texas A and M University in Galveston, and was part of the team uh, that takes part in this documentary. And as I said, uh, it's got some it's got some star power attached to it. You won't see them in the documentary, but the people behind it. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, one of the executive producers, and um, the filmmaker, the producer of this is Joshua Zeman, who produced The Killing Season and Sons of Sam, which were big smash hits in terms of the documentary film world recently. So, uh, as I said, that film, now out, called The Loneliest Whale, The Search for 52,